going on, everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. I am your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined as always for our week that was in energy episode number 28. If you're listening to this, it is a beautiful June 26th, Friday morning, hopefully before the markets open. As always, I am joined by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. Stu, Stu, how you doing today, my man? I'm doing fantastic. We're having a great day. And we have a great day. It's been a great week so far. Like I said, if you guys are listening to this, the, the markets are probably just opening up on Friday morning. I mean, it's it's been, it's been a crazy week for oil. We, we, we started out at 40, and we're probably going to finish somewhere a couple dollars lower than that. So we're going to dive into all of that. We're going to rip around the patch real quick, cover some of the stories that happen, what we think you need to know. We'll check in on the levels for crude oil. Um, EOE, DOE, crude inventory numbers are absolutely insane. So we'll make sure to cover that and sort of what that means for the outlook. And then always we'll check in with our 360 official non-official fund it got hammered this week one of our biggest winners bonanza creek down huge so we'll get into all of that but first guys i need to tell you about our friends at adam 18 energy and really what they're doing for social risk when it comes to the energy sector if you're an executive or you work in a management position or leadership position within oil and gas and you are not concerning or not thinking about ESG, you're, you're really doing yourself and specifically your company and your employees a disservice because social risk isn't just community opposition development projects. It's everything from the success, from the divest from fossil fuels movement to the investor engagement on your ESG programs to individual states setting crazy ambitious climate and decarbonization agendas. Social risk seems like it everywhere and really it's moving fast and multiplying like zombies. If you're playing that new Call of Duty Zombies game, you know exactly what I'm talking about and that's why your company needs a strategic partner and help you assess and prepare for all of the shareholder and institutional pressure on your peer companies, aspirational regulatory changes that are driving energy policy and perception where you are headquartered and operate because, you know, depending on where you're headquartered, you might yeah, there's just different rules. You're in Colorado versus Texas. They might be a little looser down there than they are if you're, you know, if your headquarters in Long Beach, California, which you know you probably, you know, you can I can imagine there's some regulation difference there. If you can imagine, you know, humor me on that one. There's also anti-gas, climate, divest, and local community organization opposition that really impact your operations. Adamantine Energy is the leading consultancy helping oil and gas companies future-proof for all of this social risk. They're led by Tisha Schuler, who is awesome, and she's also the former CEO of the Colorado Oil and Gas Association. And so she had, I mean, credentials are fabulous. She's, she's just a wonderful human. If you haven't had an opportunity to sign up for the, her weekly emails, which is sort of kind of a glimpse behind her brain and inside which, and, and give you an idea of what she's thinking about, I highly recommend doing it because guess what? Your competitors are doing that. Check out everything for Adam and Teen Energy at www.energythinks.com and please, please sign up for her weekly emails. Also, guys, just subscribe to our show, 360 Digital Closing Bell, iTunes, Spotify, Intercom's YouTube channel. The best way to stay up to date on all of your energy finances. We also come, we all we are live on YouTube every single day for about a 10-minute digital ticker show where me and Stu sort of cover what happened in the overall markets, but specifically from a U.S. shale perspective. Please follow Oil & Gas 360 on all of the social medias. Intercom on all of the social medias. Check out the Oil & Gas 360 news desk, which you can see behind me. The best place. It's literally a one stop shop for energy news oil and gas can we i want to get that slug change can we get oil and gas 360.com backslash news desk is that a slug we can get i think we can sure get it done well, this you know we won't announce it yet, but 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 we're working on it. And this, if you listen to the podcast, you get a little you get a little inside scoop there. We also you can also connect with me and Stuart on LinkedIn. Best way to get a hold of us, I'm always on LinkedIn. You can get a hold of me anywhere. We're not hiding anything. My email will be in the show notes. Reach out to me if you have any questions. 
If you are also not following the Energy 360 podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, I highly recommend doing that right now. The best place for all of your energy thought leadership. We, I mean, we had a packed week this week with a bunch of interviews, and we have a crazy um, schedule coming up. What does the schedule look like next week? What, what are we running? Uh, it is crazy bad cool. Um, we have, uh, let's see here, Energy Net dropping Monday, June 29th. That was a really fun interview. Yeah, yeah. With, uh, Gus and Anastasia. And uh, then on Tuesday, we have Andrew, the CEO and president of Data Gumbo. That was really, really a lot of fun. Uh, If you like, if you're interested, if you're a hardcore techie, not quite your interview because we didn't necessarily get nitty gritty into blockchain and all that. Based a lot of what you know, what we spent this interview was was sort of laying the groundwork for why you should even consider blockchain in the first place. Because I think that's the biggest sort of step, as, as Stu mentioned. You know, a lot of people hear blockchain and just curl up in the fetal position. So I think you know our goal was to really sort of solve that first issue of trusting the blockchain before you can move into all that other stuff so i mean i highly recommend checking out he's a great guy he looks and he looks uh he's a better looking version of Stu. oh absolutely uh and a lot smarter uh and on uh wednesday july 1 we have gareth fox jones uh he is from spain and a very much a uh, energy renewable expert we thoroughly enjoyed his conversation yeah, yeah. international as they come was born in south africa but now lives in spain did some work in i mean he's been a a, a world traveler and married a, a, a young lady from china uh chinese yes. and very very world renowned uh i just got an email from him and also tony heller uh, we are recording that one uh, today or on Friday, and it is uh, looking forward to that one. He is up in there and has a lot of YouTube followers. So I'm looking forward to getting that one released on Thursday, July 2nd. Yeah, and I know we are recording one next week that is a that you have been working a while on on next Wednesday. So I won't announce anything quite yet till we get that one canned and you see that in the commercial. But I know we've got some exciting. So please check out all of that stuff. The Energy Three Sixty podcast you can find itunes spotify but whoo that's a long intro but we appreciate you guys holding with us and i think it's time we just got to whip around the patch now um and sort of cover everything that happened i've got a couple stories stu's got some stuff from the international news desk you know if, if you listen to my podcast on monday you saw one of the you know one of my biggest themes for this week was production coming back online and then we referenced a couple different um we referenced a couple different um, notes from both Parsley, EOG, and Continental that that dropped over the weekend and last Friday, just about how they're beginning to bring on some of that production that's coming offline. And and and, and my thesis was, I think we're going to see domestic crude oil production continue to rise, and we might get back, you know, not get back to where we were, but we might see a, a more of a V-shaped recovery, and 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 just depending on if oil prices continue to step. Well, this week. Bloomberg comes out and, and, and sort of gives the anti-case for that. And why I like reading it is because it has some data from some of our favorite friends um, over at both Enverness, specifically Bernadette Johnson. So anytime she gets quoted, I'm reading. Um, and so that's partly why I took a look. And, and really, if, if, you've been, if you've listened to the show three weeks ago, we covered you know the whole drilling versus production conundrum where new drilling that comes online 
really is what drives the growth in production. As we know, when you frack a well, you you know the declines are so steep. Month one versus month twelve doesn't really look that way. And I think most people sort of get that. And really, what it sort of comes down to is, I think when you look at um, what this looks at, and basically their thesis was um, that if if the outlook, you know, looking out eight, you know, and this is sort of the quote that that pulled, that's sort of the anti-case. Looking out eighteen months, U.S. output will still be around sixteen percent below its peak. This is eighteen months out. We're talking late. 20, this is 2022, basically. 18 months out from now is 2022. Still going to be 16% below its peak in February, according to the average of five major, major forecasters surveyed by Bloomberg. It will probably be at least 2023 before U.S. production again hits its record close to 13 million barrels a day. So, you know... the. I'm probably wrong. I mean, this seems this, you know, you read something like this and it's, it's, it definitely not sobers you up a little bit, but it kind of puts into perspective what all that new, uh, that new drilling stuff and, and what this new drilling says. And, and one of the biggest quotes that I pulled out of this, another one that I thought was super interesting. If you scroll down here to the bottom, um, this, this will be available on oil and gas 360.com. If no new wells are drilled, the U.S. production would drop by 35% in just 12 months, about seven times the rate for the global oil industry, according to our friends at Inverness. And what do we always say about them? Uh, they got data. If you want data and make a decision worth millions, use Inverness. Oh, no doubt. And, whew, that's a lot. Seven times the okay. global Nine. rate. Can I throw a side note on this from our conversations, your conversations, and uh, Bernadette Johnson? Uh, it is um, if you take that much of drilling and not able to come back, one of the side effects of fracking is natural gas. And so if you take a look at natural gas not being produced as a side effect, that is another factor that Inverus has looked at for increasing of prices. And so you take a look at our interview with Rob over at Goodrich Petroleum being 100% gas play, 99% uh, gas with uh, huge plays in the Haynesville. You're going to start talking about some real impact there. Sorry for adding that in. No, I think you're, I think you're exactly right, you know, you know, if, if you're in a situation where you're a primary gas player, you might be okay. I mean, the problem is some of these shale wells aren't coming back on line as, as, as quickly. And I'm just waiting for the natural gas price to continue to rise. I mean, I, I've, I get that it's a summer fall thing, but the, the weakness for in me as just somebody who looks at it from a technical standpoint doesn't look very good now obviously seasonality i think you know we're going to have a much better idea of what the natural gas outlook looks like as we move into quarter three quarter four but I mean, we're almost coming to quarter two you know it's sort of funny we just got finished digesting quarter uh, one earnings quarter two earnings around the corner here um we're, we're we're two three weeks away from getting real busy here on the podcast and i think that'll show an interesting story but you know, basically, there. You know, I think we've laid out over the past week two cases. If you're bullish on production coming back, there's a case for it. If you're bearish on oil production coming back out, you know, you know, Inverness, Bloomberg, they just laid out a very, very interesting case. And I think if you look over, say, what the top researcher companies are thinking, they think it's going to be a weak, weak recovery, even if it does sort of kick back. I mean, they still see, like I said, and and I mean, here's the companies they surveyed: Rystad, IEA, Genscape, Inverus, IHS. Yeah, they probably know what they're doing. 
who they probably know what they're doing. So again, I think it just covered the other half. It'd be very interesting. I mean, when we, you know, the EIA numbers this week were shocking. It was very, you know, it was, it was very, very odd to see. Um, but I just wanted to, to mention a lot of that stuff along the production note because I think there's, there's, I, I wouldn't say there's two sides to the argument. I think most people are on the production's going to be slumping, but you can, you might be able to make a case for, hey, we might be able to maybe grow a little bit faster. But I mean, some of the coronavirus stuff that I mean, we're recording this on a on Thursday, so we can get this out to you before the market opens. And and yesterday, so that was Wednesday, we ran on the closing bell. I mean, it was 800 points on the Dow down solely due to the fact that there was a a five percent positivity rate increase in Florida and Florida alone. So I mean, you can talk about you know, panic selling or, or how much this can flip. I mean, we could have a second wave next week in two weeks that nobody knows it's coming and we could see, you know, we could, you know, we could see 20,000 Dow. So it's, uh, again, a lot of it's, we, you know, I, we're, I'll say it again, Stu, unprecedented, unprecedented. I'm about to curl up in the fetal position. I couldn't get you. Um, so another bullish, um, you know, if, if, if you're a permable, um, Another article I saw, not really an article, it was uh, Citibank came out with their new uh, long-term research, um, uh, what do they call them, uh, research reports done by Ed Morse, who's their head of commodities uh, over there at Citigroup. They're looking at 60 buck. Uh, now this is Brent. They're looking at 61 Brent um, here coming up January 2020, or excuse me, January 2021, which could be interesting. Um, I mean, which is a little, I mean, it, it, it depends how, how much you like and, and play WTI spreads. That probably means we're 45, 47 on, on, on WTI. When you come to that point, that's probably, if you, if you do the math on there, this is more of a world oil forecast. I mean, the really quote that I like is we're relatively bullish on the market going into 2022 because we see a relatively strong discipline on OPEC plus side and we see a postponement of the projects and we see oil lost in the world, particularly in North America. So what he's quoting is the lack of drilling that's going to be happening due to the lack of capital. And, um, I'm a fan of what Ed Morse puts out. I followed him for a hot minute. He was over... Uh, Citibank is not his first gig. Um, he, he used to work over at a, a proprietary prop shop that uh, I followed. So that's how I got to use him. Uh, so anytime he puts out something, I'm a fan of it. Um, so, I mean, there, there, it's just another slightly bullish case. Now, I, I, I think what, you know, why oil might get up to that point is probably due to the fact that they're seeing and agreeing with what the article that we just covered production's probably going to be 16 percent lower even when we're completely ramped up and that's obviously we talk about a uh, you know oil is a pure supply demand commodity it's just supply demand so if there's less demand well we're just going price is going to rise we can draw that i won't draw the curves for you but you can do that just go google supply demand curves you can shift the curve yourself um so, I, I mean, as you can kind of see, the tone that, that got set this week was, a, was, was there was maybe some bullish news that damps the fire on. And really, I think what, what the big theme this week was, the markets are solely dependent on what happens with this coronavirus stuff. It's, it, I know we, we talked about it for the first month of the podcast. We took a real break talking about the coronavirus because really it not subsided. I don't think that's the right word to say, but it you know, it became, I think, a back burner issue. And now I think it, it now I think it, 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 and it could be coming back. And, and I'm no doctor, so who knows what's going to happen. But that's really, I think, the theme moving forward. And I think that's what's going to impact oil. I mean, as we're looking right now, oil is 37.86 off no other fact than 
we're just thinking we might have to go into some quarantine. I mean, we ran on the, the closing bell on Wednesday of this week that um, self mandatory self quarantine if you're traveling um, to the East Coast from you know six or seven states. So I mean, now who knows if that's political or if it's just more of an actual requirement. I'm uh, you know who you know I'm not one to say politicians do politic things. So. You know, <laughs> that's a joke. Um, but uh, I'm not going to read someone's intentions into that. Um, point is, that's what I'm seeing as sort of the biggest driver. The other story that I have before we hop over to, to Stu's International News Desk is, you know, one of the one of the things we've been looking on the podcast is obviously, you know, we think capital is going to be available for ESG and offshore. I think those are the two Two sections that if you're going to, to, to be able to get money for, I think though, moving forward, I think those are the safest ones. And it's getting even dicey for the offshore. Talos Energy actually had a, just announced a borrowing-based redeterminization and results from the Bolton acquisition. Um, they had a press release that basically announced that they had a $1.15 billion revolving, um, uh, uh, revolving what we would call reverb-based lending facility. It is now redetermined down to $985 million and they're currently 650 million drawn on that as well. So as you can tell, even offshore is getting hit a little bit, especially if you're in that high debt play. They also did acquire some selected assets from Cascade Energy. Um, it emerged from bankruptcy in 2018 is controlled um, by first lien lenders. And it's mostly what's like an executive management thing where they're going to come in and just manage the assets. So offshore getting hit a little bit, but, 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 but also what I like in this is we're beginning to see that asset management we saw it three weeks or two weeks ago i forget the story we ran on that but uh it was it was a permian operator coming in we're just going to manage your executive manager operations contract everything else. same sort of thing you're going on in the offshore space but even their pocketbooks are getting tight so you know if you think you know everyone's getting hurt right now and and, and so it's even these guys and uh so i just found that very interesting because i think this is the one of the first offshores that we've seen a borrowing base get redetermined from specifically coming through so it was, it was interesting to see um anything on the u.s shale side that happened this week Stu? that that uh, i'm missing um there was one that's half uh, half u.s half international and the ei excuse me <laughs> you all right you're dying over there <laughs> COVID. <Got> the covid <laughs> COVID. um uh, U.S. liquefied natural gas exports have declined by more than half so far in 2020. The EIA put this out, so it's half international, half U.S. And uh, if you take a look, uh, it has the numbers for Sabine Pass, Cove Point, Corpus Christi, uh, Cameron, Ebel Island, and Freeport. All of these uh, are critical ports uh, as well as trying to get out. So we'll keep an eye on it, but I think that there's some other things going on in the world that will affect that. Okay, interesting. I like that. So I think it's time. What else you got on the International News Desk? Um, I got a couple things. Uh, I've got a source uh, that is doing quite well. Uh, Trump, and I'm going to just read the quote. Uh, Trump <laughs> and Duda are scheduled to discuss energy that just happened the head of the polish oil and gas company pgnig said warsaw expects to import most of its gas from the u.s pretty darn cool uh in the future since liquefied natural gas is 20 to 30 percent cheaper from poland 
then it the gas it receives from the Russian Gazprom, which is the pipeline that Russia, uh, Putin uses to beat the snot out of folks. And noted <laughs> Poland has already signed up four long-term LNG contracts with U.S. firms. The Kremlin has not yet commented on the energy plans. Currently, there are more than 60% Polish gas imports come from Russia. Whew. Is huge information. Big implications. Uh, I got yeah. What and and lay out so what's what's what 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 do you think is the biggest implication from that? Someone who's not an international savant like 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 yourself. Well, you have uh, Cyprus, you have Israel, and there is the new gas line that's mm-hmm. coming in from the Leviathan field. That is bringing off more demand from the po- uh, the Russia uh, gas pipeline. You have Poland, you have uh, all these others. Uh, the EU is trapped by that Russian pipeline and Putin's ability to control it. Um, and so the price differentiator is going to be the U.S. exports to Europe unbelievably cool um so uh, great for us great for exports we're even the eia put out that we are extremely uh we're half in 2020 but there yeah is, i see i saw that report yep there is half uh, i mean there is uh more on the way and another international story michael on this is we've been following the sanction China and all the other folks trying to do the Venezuelan uh, oil across the sanctions. Uh, The U.S. sanctions are so strong that there are 16 tankers holding 18.1 million barrels of oil, which between friends is a lot of oil. And uh, the uh, they are not uh, the refineries are not accepting these tankers because of the sanctions. It's not the countries, it's the refineries. Uh, Michael, uh, inside baseball trader note, $33 million a day. Let me take a look again. I think it's- 33,000. We ran this story on closing bell. It was 33,000. No, because we've been ahead of this one and we've been ahead on this one when we talk, we, we that was something that if, this is why, guys. When I pitch the Energy Three Hundred and Sixty podcast, I'm not kidding with you. You 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 listen to those podcasts, and there are nuggets that you can that, that are pulled. It's like, oh well, I had that story two weeks ago. When the one the latest one we did with Envernet with Inveris, it was Rob McBride, senior director, strategist. What did he say, Stu? It's not upstream that's causing all of these bottleneck issues. It's the refineries, and that's what and- their analysis showed. And the refineries in the U.S. just ran this story yesterday. Uh, we've had actually, in up to 2019, a 3% capability in our refineries, and it's been stagnant for about 15 years. We have not increased our production capabilities in the U.S. Hey, uh, last thing on the international news desk before I throw it over to you. We now have five events that people are asking us and uh, paying and working for us that are events that are in Europe, uh, that are in England, uh, Italy, 
France, and they are uh, asking the oil and gas 360 to advertise to our client base. This is huge. Very large people putting out advertising requests to us. Well done, Michael. Uh, we are now really, really in demand in the, the... Well, you're on TV now, Stu. You're a bona fide TV and interview star. So we need to start requesting, like, we need to start becoming, um, what did they say? Like, I need, like, I need three cold bottles of water before every show. I need oh, no. a, a masseuse to show up every time before we record and give me a massage. Um, well, Michael, you are the reason it is a success. So thank I you very much. It. No problem. And great international news desk. I mean, it's really crazy to see what, what go both what's happening all around the world and, and to see what Stu's been able to do with, 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 with the international sites. It's been unbelievable, but I think it's time. Let's go ahead and check in with the oil levels and see what's going on in oil trading. As always, this segment is sponsored by the guys at Sandstone Capital Group. They do insanely good research and provide all of their levels from their energy glimpse solution. I mean, if you need help with anything, research, try anything, Give them a call, 949-561-1818, or shoot them a uh, email. You can check out everything at sandstonecg.com. I mean, we, we, a bearish week. I mean, if you just want to be straight up, when we look at kind of the overall structure of what happened this week, we obviously started trading $40 um, early in the week, and, and we actually got up to 40 well, high for the week. Let me just make sure I don't get this at forty-one sixty-one. And so, I mean, if you were, you know, if you, you know, if you look at the five-day chart, I mean, it really ramped up to four, and then we had a complete collapse the past two days. Obviously, those past two days have been a, as we've said, coronavirus. I won't beat the horn. I think when we look at the levels, oil's currently trading at thirty-seven. Uh, 75 and we got a uh, if you're looking at a five-day chart point of control is ironically still 4024 which is odd to think that we threw a lot of volume early in the week up there and only recently has tailored off so uh and specifically how i'm looking at it i'm looking at more of a range chart here so um you know i'm looking i'm looking at a minute chart let me go to a range chart here because it shows me structure a little that's another thing if you're well, if, if you're looking to do some price action stuff, watch range charts. Don't look at minute tick charts. Look at range charts. And I don't want to get too deep into what a range chart is. You'll Maybe we'll put a little training course on the 360 News Desk on how to read a, read a range chart. But shows price action much better. When we look at a range chart, structure looks bad. I mean, you're, you're, you're seeing a complete bearish switch early on. Um, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday levels for me 36.78 on the downside obviously 37.77 or about where we're trading it now is a good level uh 38.18 39.09 39.48 uh 40.25 obviously is point of control my cap's about 41 so there's four or five different levels for you that I think you could play off of um from here, you know, I guess it'd be very interesting what, what, what as we move into into the end of the trading day, what happens this weekend. I don't expect oil to close below 37, 36 bucks. Now, as obviously, you know, as we're recording this, markets just now open. So um, SPY currently trading flat. So at the moment right now, the, you know, you know, calms or, you know, the coronavirus worries are sort of swelled, but any sort of negativity can drive this down. So I've been, you know, we've been good about that. We've been good about the levels. 
but we need to make sure um, that we get now that this coronavirus, real the news cycle of coronavirus is really coming back into play. We need to get because remember, I mean, the the website I get I, I use when I trade, it's literally called Trade the News because sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to just trade what the news is telling you. We can get into all the different phrases behind that, but that's why. Um, EIA numbers this week, DOE crude inventories as a whole up 1.5 million barrels, but um, really, really the key, well, we'll get into that, utilization seventy. Uh, uh, utilization stayed flat, no change week to week, distillate demand down 1,000 barrels per day, gasoline demand up 700,000 barrels, so that's good to see, Cushing crude stocks dropped to 45.8 million barrels, that's a full million barrel drop, and brings it right in between that nice 5 year average this was the kicker, the total domestic production up 500,000 barrels to 11 million barrels per day, so you want to talk about uh, companies bringing production back online, woohoo a lot of that's uh, a lot of that is the Alaska production. Though. It's about 125,000 barrels of Alaskan production that got turned back on by ConocoPhillips. Again, listen to the podcast. We ran that story a week ago, so you would have projected this. No- you should have projected this number um, this week. I'm totally kidding. You shouldn't have. Um, but you know, I, as we look at the EIA next week, I could have. No- I'll have no idea. It'd be very interesting. I think we might see a couple hundred thousand barrels come on. But if we see another 500 number, spicy. Anything else on the oil levels this week, Stu? Uh, no, but got some other future uh, things for us uh, as as a team, and we'll cover that in a bit. Oh, yeah, we will cover that in a bit. We got some cool stuff coming up uh, on all segments, but I think we should go ahead and check in. I don't even know if I want to check in on the 360 fund. Should we? Do we have? I think we have to do it. Uh, it's going to be more of a funeral, but I think we should go ahead and do it. Uh, but before we check in for the 360 fund, the lawyers make us say this so we don't get sued. And I mean, you don't follow. I mean, why would you want to follow... If, if you follow my investment advice, you're taking a vow of poverty. Um, that's all I say. Um, this segment is for entertainment purposes only. Everybody on this show, i.e. me, Michael Tanner, and Stu Stewart, truly invest for our own account. We do not manage any outside money. We do not give investment advice. We, de- we give out vows of poverty. We do not offer any type of securities or of any involvement in the regulated side of the industry. Investing is risky, and you can or lose your entire principal. I, I, I've, 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 I, one of the many meme accounts on Twitter, I saw somebody who tweeted stock picks. That was his tagline. If you follow my stock advice you take a vow of poverty and i laughed i was like that was it's people on the internet are too are too too uh are too funny for me so i have to i have to give that up to uh to our friends uh, on twitter uh, but you know that being said Stu hot i i assume your report mine was red this week that's all i'll say so i assume yours was whoo uh you beat me uh but i uh, i don't even want to talk about it dude uh it's uh, when you have that much of a uh, beating, um, I felt like I was beat like a rented mule. So we'll leave it at that. Our, I'll just, I will say this. So Bonanza Creek was our most profitable position. We were up. Basically, we were up. I'm trying to put the percentages right. We were up. Oh, we were up 60% on that. Yeah. So if you take so we were up sixty percent. So now imagine that as the whole pie, the sixty percent increase as a hundred percent pie. We lost eighty percent of that in two days. Haven't lost till we sold it. No, we're still up, but we are bleeding. Our natural gas position. We're in at a dollar seventy four for natural gas. Dollar fifty four. We're down like two k on that. We're down like two twenty two hundred on that position. Not good. 
I was short CL. That sort of worked out for us. Um, so that helped. That was the only saving grace. We still finished wildly down this week. I want to give you one account that it didn't save me because I don't have enough uh, uh, on our fund. Geopark out of South America. Geopark killed it. Good to know. No, and, and you know, it's the international stuff. I mean, I don't know why I haven't taken that advice and we haven't loaded up on some you know, international companies, but I'm going to, we need to do some diversification of this portfolio. It's been, it's been too stagnant. It's like one of those swamps you come across where it's like, no one's touched this water in six weeks. But of course, of course your dog will come up and drink that water. They have no shame. LNG looks like it's starting to roll up. We're good. We're good. Somebody needs to roll up. Um, Anything else? I think it's, we, we. I think this has been a. This has been a good show. We're about thirty minutes in. We'll we'll let you guys wrap it up. Are we missing anything? Yes, I just need about two seconds. Um, I am extremely excited about our uh, efforts to do extremely large, big, um, gigantic uh, is a term. It's a gigantic. That's what we're gonna have to put on the landing page for these. It is gigantic. Uh, it's a cross between giant and huge. Um, now, have you yeah. seen a uh, kicking and screaming uh, and with no. Will Ferrell? Ah, oh, there's this. Never mind. Okay. Uh, our dashboards. You have been working nonstop on these, and we are going to have financial numbers. We are going to have absolutely uh, for our subscribers that are going to have. You want data? You want financial data? Come to us. Uh, and we're going to start releasing those next week uh, and got a lot of them rolling out. So, Michael, thank you for all your effort on that. And uh, let's get them rolling. No, I appreciate it. I, I'm excited to get these dashboards rolled out. And I mean, really, my, you know, if you've been following us for any sort of time and, and we don't have a huge follower base, but, but, but we have enough people where I thank the people who are following us right now. You sort of, I, I hope you've seen the evolution of what, what we've been doing here. I mean, first me and Stu, you know, we, we just did a little digital ticker show. Now we're moving into a lot more deep arc. We've, we, we, we've got a new podcast segment. We created the 360 News Desk to sort of conglomerate a lot of financial news. And, you know, and, and I keep telling everybody, this is the one stop, you know, you follow the podcast that you can know everything about the energy markets by listening to this podcast. And, Partly why I want to work with these dashboards is I want to bring that data to you guys. And I mean, when you talk about some of the charts we have on the news deck, imagine having EIA, imagine having access to all the EIA information visualized for you in one place. Just go click that. Imagine having, being able to go pull specific, you know, we're not going to do this for every single company. It's, it's where you're going to have to, you know, because these are going to, these are a nice product, but you know, certain companies that we, that, that we work with, imagine being able to completely visualize their financial data right away. Imagine being able to, to see what oil production is the moment. Imagine being able to trade, EIA crude oil inventories by looking at our dashboard. I mean, that's the goal because that's what I want to do with it because that's personally, that's what I want to happen. That's, I want to be able to go to the oil and gas 360 news desk, oil and gas 360.com backslash news desk. And there's, and, and, and that's the only, you should just favorite that. And that's the only place you need to go to stay up to date on the energy markets. That's where me and Stu are trying to take this and he's done and Stu's done an excellent job of getting 360 oil and gas 360 up to basically being a news powerhouse powerhouse 
what I'm trying to do is come in and let's let's add just some let's just add some cool features. Let 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 let's get a little UI. So I you know you know I none of this could could be possible without the platform that that, that you've basically grown. So it's a two man effort, but. Please, we're going to be rolling out these dashboards next week. We're, we're just going to start slow and steady. We're going to start with uh, crude oil inventories and natural gas and natural gas inventories. Those are going to update every single week live because we're hooking it up to a nice API key, doing some cool data stuff on the back end. But uh, we're going to be rolling out a lot more. We're going to be hooking up to, to, to some insane databases. They're going to be able to visualize a lot of different images. So I am excited. Um, and we'll be getting more of that to you follow again just check out you know if anything this is an advertisement for the 360 news desk I would just go oil and gas go check out the 360 news desk podcasts daily ticker shows news feed charts overview of stocks it's everything Stu this is awesome I'm excited anything else we need we covered the dashboard stuff any other stories it's been a crazy week been been crazy and from my sources it's going to be crazier next week it always is and with that we're going to go and let you guys get back to work thank you for checking out the 360 digital closing bell here on oil and gas 360.com we'll see you guys this afternoon